Welcome to Licking Non-Vanilla, a sex-positive hour of talk about kink, sexual mores, and writing dirty words. So grab a cup of cocoa, your favorite easy chair, and the lube as we go sailing into the dark, sweet waters of all things naughty on Licking Non-Vanilla with your hosts, Ralph Greco Jr. and M. Christian. Okay, here we are. Welcome, everybody, to another version, another episode, another uh, another installment <laughs> of Licking Non-Vanilla. I'm Ralph Greco Jr. here on the east coast of wherever I live. And uh, over there across the aisle from me is... Uh, Chris, otherwise known as M. Christian, from the wild and woolly wasteland, or I should say wooded wasteland, of Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. You know, I heard, I was in Portland once, the only time I've ever been in Portland, for a, a play of mine. So, and they, and somebody told me that Portland was the strip cl- club capital of the world, of the, of the nation. <laughs> That's it's an interesting <laughs> distinction, you know? I like that. I haven't been up there quite yet. I've only moved here like about like six or seven months ago. So, right, right. You know, I haven't quite explored that yet. But you know, I I do know it has this wild side, and right. unfortunately, Eugene does not. But still, I can't yeah, complain. Quiet. I really love it here. Right. Yeah, you came from a very wild place, which was this Bay Area. Exactly. That must have been. That must have been crazy back in the day, Chris. Huh. Oh, absolutely. It was fun. I mean, that's like I was really lucky that when I was. You know, I came to the Bay Area in 88, and mm-hmm. I was married shortly thereafter. I think I came a couple, or a couple of years earlier than that. But anyway, back then, it's like, you know, the scene, the BDSM scene was just really kind of getting going. So, mm-hmm. you know, my wife at the time, you know, we joined every organization on the planet. There was all kinds of shops. There was a party every weekend. Yeah. Um, it was definitely, you know, a really kind of, really kind of a lucky time to be there. Um, and that was, of course, when people could afford to live in the city, but now you can't. So there you go. But yeah, yeah for a while there, it was quite fun. So d- just tell people, because we, what, how we define BDSM or how anybody does, or how do you? Yeah. Well, that's a good point because it's like, it's one of those kind of terms. It's like, you know, it's funny because when I was first in the scene, which is the other term for this world, um, you know, it was called SM. But after a certain amount of time, like a lot of things, it's evolved. And now it becomes BDSM, which basically stands for bondage, um, let's see, uh, bondage, discipline, uh, slave master, or sadomasochism, which is basically Mm -hmm. any kind of, well, I mean, it really kind of covers a whole bunch of stuff. Power exchange, right? Power exchange. But it also includes a lot of fetishes. It also includes a lot of role play. You know, some people put age play in there somewhere. I mean, it's just like, it really is a big kind of umbrella term for everything that's basically, well, not vanilla sex. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was going to talk about one thing with you, but I think we're going in a different direction, which is perfectly fine. Um, <laughs> I was thinking maybe we could talk about getting the, how one acquires the keys to the kinkdom, as we said. Sure. Um, how, how how these days are different than they used to be and mm-hmm. uh, what people should be looking out for and how we define all this. What, what, what do you, first and foremost, what, and you, cause you were just talking a little bit about it. What are the big differences you feel um, between now and then? 
oh boy, I don't want to date myself, but um, uh, back then, of course, it's pre-internet. And mm, right. back then, it was really very much kind of a, well, you went to like, for instance, um, an open group. In other words, a group that advertises and you know anybody can attend. Mm-hmm. And one of the best ones was the Society of Janus, which has been around now for, I think, like 50 years or something like that. It's one of mm-hmm. the oldest, um, you know, kink organizations out there. And when I was a part of it, it was only like 25 years ago. I'm 25 years old or so. Mm-hmm. And what's great about it, it's a really kind of good entry point because, you know, and, you know, they have like orientations where if you first, you know, join up, you can sort of like get the get the lowdown on what the organization is and what kink is about. Mm-hmm. And from there, you can go to like parties and you can go to classes and you get a newsletter, which I was actually the editor of for a, like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a good entry point because after a point, people start to recognize you. And once they know you as a person and know you're trustworthy and, you know, are not like an arrogant twit or dangerous, right you know, the doors start to open up and you start to get invited to the parties that aren't advertised or the groups that aren't, you know, all that public. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, of course, with the internet, that's completely changed. I mean, there's right. still some groups that don't advertise and you have to know someone to get involved with, but now it's pretty much all done online as far as like, you know, making contacts and such, which is, you know, not good or bad. It's just, you know, change. Um, I do think that, you know, there was a certain benefit to having to like, you know, be a real person in the real world. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's not quite so isolating. So, you know, if you're living in Frostbite Falls, Minnesota, and there's no other yeah. kinksters in town, you can still like, you know, connect with people and sort of share stories and get advice and such, which you couldn't do before. I think I, I remember back somewhere in the 80s, finding um, a club in the city that was, you know, typically you paid a lot of money to get in the door for the membership, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was a club that some things were going on at. But I, and I, and of course, New York City was replete with, um, you know, Hellfire Club and a lot of places like that and societies like you're talking about. But I didn't know about the scene so much back in the day. But these days, you're right. It seems to have exploded with Collar Me and Fet Life and Facebook. You know, there's even... I guess you could find it on Facebook if you wanted to, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it's it's good because people can connect that can't usually connect. And then exactly, you know, uh, there's probably a bad da- to side to that as well, um, like as in everything, you know. <laughs> but we, but you and I, because we've gone to some of the conventions and taught there, we've always um, kind of approached it with. We're, 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 we say this over and over how wonderful we are, but um, <laughs> but we are, we we're very approachable and we and we like to talk to people and hang out and get to know people just generally. So it's it's easy for us to to socialize in any kind of group generally. Um, but I don't think everybody has such an ease, uh, you know, a way to discuss things with people and and aren't not everybody so is comfortable. You know, so absolutely. Um, if if that's the case, and you're a little shy with your particular niche that you're into, um, and so at at it, say you say you sign up to go to a club or a convention, how how do you think you you should approach that? Like, I mean, it's different for you and I because we don't we don't think that way. But I'm saying for somebody who's a novice or somebody who's just a little a little skittish in that way, not so social. <laughs> how how do you think they they best should approach? make or make an approach 
Well, I think they're the best way. I mean, it's it's even though the the internet is fantastic and so forth, and really, you know, all kinds of special kinds of cool, and I definitely live on it more than I probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, you, nothing really beats like getting out there and actually meeting people. Now, if you're living in somewhere like I said before, Frostbite Falls, Minnesota, you yes. might be you know in trouble. But you know, by and large, that they have like you know the kink scene is usually pretty good about like having you know, representation all over the place. So, you know, do a little research and there's usually like an organization or there's like what's called a munch and munches are really quite cool and they're really good introduction. It's basically a whole bunch of kinksters get together at something like a chain restaurant or something similar Mm -hmm. and just basically talk and just basically kind of meet each other. Um, The one thing I, I don't advise is don't like come to a munch like, wearing your kink on your sleeve so in other words if you're a dom don't say don't treat everybody like a sub if you're a sub you know basically leave your roles at the door um because that way people know who you are they start to really recognize you and that's how you make connections and making the connections is really key because that's when the doors start to open um you can of course also like go to like big events like we've gone to a number of them you know sit in the city which is in vegas mm-hmm. um one of our favorites is beat me in st louis which is obviously in st louis yeah um though i do think it's like having a little bit of a socialization before even going to one of those helps um, i agree i totally agree you know, yeah 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 i think and i and, and you know those situations that we've been in whether it be a, a get together for some for some dinner at a at a at a bar where the back room of a bar where you just hang out and have dinner Mm-hmm. or going to a club or something that it's the, the same rules apply in any kind of social situation, you know? Um, and I think that's what people forget in that you know, people that are on the outside of this often forget, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, unfortunately that old stigma with, you know, they, they would eh, label homosexuals you know, as child molesters, you know? That was the mm-hmm. first you'd go to that immediately, you know, which was which was never fair and never never reasoned, but it was because we don't understand that group. We have to say those those people do that, you know, mm-hmm. and and the people we've met and the are are, are certainly just normal social people, you know, and exactly and they and respond the to this, like, yeah. I mean, no matter what you do, I mean, you know, the people are the same, you know, the world around. I mean, it's right. like, I mean, I was just, I used to you know laugh in that. You know, because sometimes people make suppositions, like you said before, about like, you know, oh, if you're kinky, you must be that. But it's like, you know, you go to a kink club and you'll find the same dynamics, or I should say a kink organization rather yeah. than a club. But if you go to a kink group and you hang out with kink people, you realize they're just like everybody. I mean, their interests might be, you know, what they're interested in. But at the same time, it's like they still, you know, get up every morning, put their pants on the same way or skirts or, or whatever your gender clothing preference is. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, that's it's like the, the the commonality is 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 more you know more delightful, I think, because you might be hanging out with someone who likes to get suspended from the ceiling by their nipples, and somebody else who likes to you know wear frilly dresses and get mm-hmm. flogged. But you know, they're all still basically human beings. So you know, if, the best way of getting a good experience is by being a good human being. I mean, that's <laughs> really it. <laughs> and that and we could say that across the board for any relationship you're trying to start. A business exactly. relationship, you know, a, a, uh, with your brother or your sister or, you know, with, with a partner mm-hmm. that you may have some fun with. doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I, I think, well, we, we've experienced nothing but positive, ex- positive times when we've gone to any kind of convention. 
I think mm-hmm. we but we could both say that wholeheartedly. But um, do you do you? Because I mean, I was wondering about this too. Do you find conventions increasing in well, in frequ- in frequency or, or decreasing in in frequency? I don't know. I mean, it's really hard to say. I mean, I probably could research it, but I on the offhand, I think it seems to be increasing. Which is um, interesting to, because I'm, of it's did you know? Not to cut you off, but I, you always say this all the time to me. You know, science fiction conventions are are kind of dwindling in a way mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. got the big ones you got comic-con and stuff but back in the day mm-hmm. when we were kids man there were science fi- conviction conventions every science fiction conventions everywhere oh all the time all the time but it seems like they're going the other way like they're they're mm-hmm. kind of becoming a dinosaur because of technology people don't need the conventions mm-hmm. as much exactly but i exactly. wonder but i guess because kinksters are hands-on so to speak they do need them mm-hmm. more Maybe. I completely agree. I think yeah. you hit it on the nail on the head. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but no, I you're right. You. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like one of the things about like, like, you know, science fiction conventions was you went there because that's the only place you could do things like buy books or right. see celebrities or watch movies. And of course, right. all of that, except for the meeting celebrities, you can do online. Yeah. But with kink, one of the big allures is playing with each other and you can't do that virtually. So yeah. I think it's actually kind of increased. Um, I'm trying to remember, you know, when I was first in the scene, how many events there were, and there weren't that many. Mm-hmm. Um, there really weren't. Um, of course, I was th- in, in San Francisco, which, you know, a lot of times it's like cities like San Francisco don't have a lot of big events because there's already a kink presence. So, right, like in right. San Francisco, there's like a public play space called the Citadel. There's also the coffee house called Wicked Grounds, mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of private spaces. So. You don't need an event, but other places like, you know, like, you know, St. Louis, I mean, an event is where you go to play because that's the only place you can, you know, find other kinksters as well as where the equipment is located. Right. And and we, we should also say that the Citadel and uh, Wicked Grounds have hosted both M. Christian and Ralph Greco Jr. That's uh, true. <laughs> on, on many occasions. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting too because uh, yeah, we we talk about this all the time. Whether we wh- whether you you specifically write about it at Future of Sex, or we talk about it in general as writers of of erotica, how techno and we're also science fiction guys. So how technology mm-hmm. is affecting our sex lives, you know, oh, more or less. So. And, Absolutely. And, uh, oh God, yes. But it seems not to be impinging on uh, on the kink scene. The, and if anything, it maybe is expanding the king sing because it's it's mm-hmm. it's allowing for more communication, and exactly. people, you know. So that's an issue because I mean, I, I, this is actually how I was going to start the show today. I was gonna I was gonna um, ambush you with with a question about something that I read recently, but um, but it was it, it's it's a technology question, and and about. What we what we can do with technology, and if it's a good thing or bad, in this one instance, yes. I'm going to tell you about. But I think we certainly can agree it, it it seems to be helping any kind of outlying community that maybe is mm-hmm. not in the mainstream. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely! It's a wonderful way of people to connect for the first time because before the internet, I mean, the only way you could communicate with someone was by phone, letter, you know, newsletter, that kind of stuff. So yeah. it, again, if you're out in the Woolies where you know, you think you're the only person on the planet who's into something, you know, it was miserable because right. one, you thought you were a freak and two, you were lonely. And it was really very debilitating. Now it's like you just simply type in 
whatever your fetish or particular interest is or whatever your orientation is or anything for that matter. And instantly you find out not only are you not alone, but there's an entire community out there who think or feel and desire the same exact way you do. Right, so right. I think it's absolutely wonderful that way. And it's definitely wonderful for BDSM. I think the only drawback for BDSM is that a lot of education really kind of needs to be sort of in your face, hands on. Mm -hmm. um, it's too easy to write an article and I'm not using us as an example because we do our research and trying to be as accurate as possible, but it's, it's pretty easy to simply to consider yourself an expert and then, you know, post something when the information is either wrong or dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but when you're actually in present doing something, there's that kind of like, you know, checks and balances thing that goes on there. But at the same time, I don't think it's a huge problem. Right, right, um, right. I do think it's something that people need to be aware of. So, you know, if you're reading something online, always take it with a grain of salt, no matter what it's about until you do your research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, again, it's like anything else. Sometimes we get a, a, a so much information and have access to so much information that we take that to be experience, and it isn't. Exa mm -hmm. It isn't. And and when we're talking about the things we're talking about and the things we teach about, we always talk about experience being the leader. You know, exactly. Uh, take exactly. a class or whatever. Like you, can, you can read all you want about something like using a flogger. Mm -hmm. But you've the old the old maxim again of you know a picture's worth a thousand words. I mean, you know, a you know, twenty minute lecture, you know, about how to flog and all the safety concerns and you know, all the details gives you much more information than a half of a book, you know, right. because just seeing it you can see exactly what's going on. So, you know, even though it's like we both written our, our share of articles, I always kind of tell people, it's like, you know, try and get out there as much as possible, especially for something like BDSM, because it is risky. There are some things that really can hurt you if you're not careful. Absolutely. Yeah. We, and we've heard some bad, we've heard some great stories and we've heard some bad stories, the things that mm -hmm. have happened, you know. And uh, yeah, we always, we, Chris and I have erred on the side of always uh, caution in our lives mm -hmm. and, and what we, what, what we teach. You know, um, just to let you know, this is you're listening to the Licking Non Vanilla um, with Ralph Greco Jr. Forgot my name for a second. <laughs> and over there is M. Christian. And uh, we're on the Red Circle Network podcast network. So if that's where you're finding us and we, we hope that you sign up and you sign in and check us out all over. Now, Chris, the thing I want to talk to you about what, and what I want to start the show with is it is a technology question. Mm -hmm. And it dovetails nicely into not only what we're just talking about, but also our our you know our love of geekdom and science fiction. Science fiction. <laughs> so recently, on on the Disney Plus platform, mm -hmm. they they released the movie Splash. Could they be releasing? Oh, I heard about this. Yes, Did you go ahead though. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So so they've been doing they've been releasing a ton of stuff. Uh, and Disney owns whoever they own. I don't know if it's Universal or whoever they own, and they have a lot of movies they can release. So they they released Splash. But what happened was there's a scene in Splash where Tom Hanks' character is looking at Daryl Hannah's character, who is the mermaid in the movie Splash, as she goes back into the water. And there's a real quick uh, scene of him looking at her, and she's walking into the water, and she's from behind, and she's naked. She's a mermaid, so not going to be wearing clothes. And for that brief moment, you see her bare booty. Mm -hmm. And Disney, in their infinite wisdom, um, covered it up with CGI. They kind of extended her hair down her back, 
I didn't see the mm-hmm. shot for that, but it, everybody's saying it looks less like hair down her back and more like a, a matted piece of fur over her ass. <laughs> so, first of all, I don't even know if that's Daryl Hannah's butt. It could be. It could be a stand-in. But mm-hmm. and then then that 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 started this whole question about what Disney's doing to these movies and you know the 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 roles and the roll calls in the beginning, mm-hmm. letting you know about the warnings and 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 mm-hmm. then the digital the digital manipulation. And we've seen this with Lucas. George Lucas did this with the original three Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a long question here, Chris. But, <laughs> but and and you know when it comes to censorship, we we have we have very we're very cautious. You know, we, we're, our hackles go up immediately. But mm-hmm. so and here's here's perfect example of maybe technology not being used in the best way it can be used. So what, yeah, what's your, what is your take on all that? It's it's really odd. I mean, it's like for one thing, it's like you know, it's like you know, one, it's like Censorship is is a government, so they're a corporation. They can do what they want, and True. if they True. own the film, they can do whatever they want exactly. as well. So it's their exactly. it's their property. Exactly. And exactly. you know, I, it always makes me uncomfortable, mainly because it's kind of hypocritical. Because there's movies even on the Disney Channel that are very violent, right? But dare you show a bare butt, and the world right. comes to an end, right? Exactly. Um, you know, it's just like exactly. give me a break. I mean, that's a that's a long time hypocrisy though. Yes, this yes. has been around forever. Yes. Where. You know, you cut someone's head off, it gets an R rating. If you, you know, show someone giving head, it gets an X. Yeah, right. So exactly. it's just that it's just that it's right. a hypocrisy of that is annoying. But yeah. at the same time, I can understand why they did it because again, it's a family channel. Yes. Um, yes. and there's even there's even more egregious, you know, versions of this. There was a, you know, a conservative version of something like Netflix that was actually censoring movies, mm-hmm. and then not not censoring, they were editing movies. You know, to remove like things yeah. they consider to be like you know bad. That's that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, I also know, like for instance, that you know Ted Turner way back when was colorizing black oh, and white movies absolutely. until he was forced to stop because absolutely. all the filmmakers were giving him a very, I think, much deserved hard time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, again, it's like it's a it's a very fuzzy question because it depends on why they're doing it if they have the right to do it. Um, you know, in the case of Disney, I think it's actually, they're perfectly fine doing it. I mean, I think it's kind of a silly little thing to do, but mm-hmm. you know, it's one of the things where it's like, it is their property in their channel. Absolutely. Um, no, absolutely. You know, can't argue that, you know, I, but I do think it's like, you know, once again, our, our culture has such a problem with sex and nudity anyway. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. The Puritan ethic, you know, but mm-hmm. something that we fight about against and about all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's you know. so horrible. I mean, it's like, especially on social media, it's like, you know, it's like you do one wrong move on any whatever platform you are, and suddenly you're blocked out, and there's nothing you can do about it because it's a private company. I mean, it's like, you know, you can scream censorship, but it's once again, it's a company, not yeah. not the government. So you, you don't have a leg to stand on. So if Twitter decides that your you know pictures are obscene, if Instagram decides it, if Facebook decides it, then guess what? You don't have a choice. You know, you can't like yeah. you know take it and go somewhere else. <laughs> well, we've you and I have both run up against some of this with Amazon. Because oh yes. If, if if a book, you know, because because Chris and I write uh, a lot of the erotica we write crosses genres or crosses mm-hmm. niche, so it's not just one kind. So there's a lot of stuff that we we get into in our writing, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it can be mis- mistaken, or I I don't know I I. I still don't understand the, the 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 parameters here, but you know the wrong word is used, or you allude to something, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you're excised, or or the work just gets taken off, and it, it happens all the time mm-hmm. on Amazon, or has happened. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean Amazon's a, a really good example of that because 
I mean, I'm, I don't want to get too much of the details, but I'm not too sure how much I can I can actually share. But I know a while ago, it's like you know, uh, they had they, they's what happened was they opened the platform, you know, so they they started to push the idea of hey, you can self-publish on Amazon, yeah. and they really were pushing that. And then suddenly, um, guess what? A whole bunch of people were publishing really explicit stuff. Um, and what does Amazon do? It completely freaks out. Mm -hmm. And instead of like trying to change the rules, they start banning like erotica left and right. Yeah. Um, to the point where a lot of publishers that we work with had to go through with a mad scramble and start changing descriptions and titles of books because they right. were just bringing the right. ban hammer down on anybody. Right. And it was just ridiculous. And it's sort of eased up now, but for a while there it was scary because you know, Amazon really is the only game in town when you're selling books. So if right. they kick you off, then that's about it. I mean, there's no real, I mean, you can go to other places, but frankly, you know, you're not going to get any money. Um, so it was pretty scary for a while there. And especially since they wouldn't say why they're banning something, they would just say your book has been rejected. Um, right. So right. and it's seen, scary enough when you're an individual, but when you're a publisher, they could ban your entire catalog, you know, so it was pretty scary. Yeah, it was an arbitrary, it seemed to be an arbitrary uh, cut across mm -hmm. the board, you know, and uh, we, we, we tried to figure it out. I know you, you you know, working for some people at the time and still are. Um, and, you know, so I would hear it from you and you guys were trying to figure out the parameters and what, what mm -hmm. exactly was, why it was happening in certain titles and not in others. And uh, and then you know if you tend to write a certain kind of stuff, certain buzzwords seem to get to them, even in the titles. Remember? Mm -hmm. and, oh uh, yes. Oh yeah. Because I had a book and you had. I know you had some stuff. I had a series that was you know we were we were wondering about because it just 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 the way it was in the title. Mm -hmm. Even though it was it was mm -hmm. a, was a obvious fantasy, obvious mm -hmm. you know um, an erotica fantasy, but it didn't matter. And uh, mm -hmm. so, so when it comes to this ability of a private company to either change a movie or change or or not mm -hmm. publish books, like you said, first of all, you can't fight it because it's a private company. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard to know where the goalposts are moving to. You know exactly. That's what's scary about it. I mean, it's like half the time they don't tell you. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll say something like, "Oh, by what? Guess what? Your thing's been banned." I mean. I've lost accounts on Twitter and Tumblr, you know, and still are unsure about why it was taken down. And, mm -hmm. you know, half the time it's like, even when they do, they don't listen to you. So you can argue your case, but, you know, if they decide to, and it's completely arbitrary because I, th I swear half the time, these are just like one employee happens to look, you know, at these, at these social media companies, look at your account and they decide that it's inappropriate as opposed mm -hmm. to like, you know, being able to like, you know, argue with them or something similar. Right. So it's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, and the weirdest things will get knocked down. The weirdest things won't. I mean, sometimes it's like when back when I was a publisher, which I still do a little bit, but not much. Um, you know, it would became this kind of like rolling the dice. You know, you upload a book and you wait for the message that says your book has been accepted or not, and there's no rhyme or reason to mm -hmm. it. Um, so it's it's very frustrating and very scary too, because if you have like if you built up your Twitter feed to a point where it's you know doing really good for you. And bang! Suddenly, you've been kicked out. It's just there's nothing you can do. It's a it's a really strange thing, and it it adds to what Chris and I talk about all the time. And and it's not oh, woe is me, but it's the stigma stigmatizing of of an erotic writer. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you write stuff that's either or edgy, you can write very violent horror too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know you you run into this. It's hard enough to write the stuff and get it published in certain places, but what what makes it even harder is you have this kind of I don't want to say a prejudice, but a a certain kind of feeling towards it to begin with. And mm-hmm. it's almost kind of like we're watching out for you guys specifically. Oh yeah, you know? oh yeah. In fact, um, I can tell you that's exactly what happens because if you're submitting a book to Amazon to anywhere, I mean iBooks, Barnes and Noble. Whenever you put a book up, there's a little button that appears, and it says something like, it all depends on the platform because they're all different. Mm -hmm. But it usually says something like, includes explicit material or something like that. Or what's the audience? And it says adult only. Right. That automatically changes the goalposts. Mm -hmm. So if you're putting up a book that is just like, you don't hit that button, they don't look at it very much. But right. the instant you hit that explicit button, they look at it like much more than they they're would gonna normally. Come out of, they're going to come out your heart. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. And yeah. once again, it's totally capricious. I mean, it's like, you know, the rules don't make any sense. I mean, just look what happened with Tumblr, you know, uh, what, about a year or so ago. where oh, you know, uh, That was a disaster. And it still is because Tumblr was pretty much the wild and woolly west of, of social media. And it had its problems. But, you know... Um, what happened was it got bought and they're trying to make it attractive to sell off or something like this. And they suddenly realized, Oh my God, there's porn on Tumblr. Right. So they enacted this stupid censorship thing that made no sense. Like no forward facing nipples was one of them. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, seriously, it's like forward face, oh, forward facing female nipples, which is just like, you know, give me a break. So sidewise is fine. Okay, what about illustrations? What about classical yeah, artwork? Right. You know, it's like, you know, what about bumps and sweaters? I mean, it's just like, you know, it was totally ridiculous. And they're taking down like, you know, hundreds of thousands of posts and flagging oh, accounts. And it was just, it was awful. I mean, it just like, it was just like a, a nightmare and worse because they didn't know what the frick they were doing. Yeah, um, and, and it happened, you know. like Chris said, it, it happened within like, like days. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. The, the edict came down and boom. Stuff was mm-hmm. just gone, mm-hmm. and that's and I don't know what happened. Is Tumblr still around? Um, it's still there. I'm still there. Um, okay. you know, though my account is like you know like like an eighth of what it was beforehand. Yeah. Um. So you know, but most people have kind of deserted it. You know, but you know, there's not many places you can go. I mean, there's some. You know, when you're talking about social media stuff, I mean, certain ones like you know. Twitter, I, I don't want to justify Twitter because they're pretty bad as well, but really all of them are, are problematic because yeah. they all have these weird, you know, capricious rules about things. And, you know, in one thing will be fine and another thing suddenly will get you banned and you have no control over it. And some people have tried to start up alternatives, but frankly, it's like, you know, when you have like, you know, a fraction of the followers, it's kind of pointless. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. some people I know have gone over to like Pornhub or, you know, various other places for you know, doing this kind of stuff, but you know, it's just, it's kind of like, you know, the world we live in, you got to kind of roll the dice every time you post something. True. It's true. You don't know. And, but also when it comes to the digital, because it's so easy to change things, right? Download Mm -hmm. things, look at things, um, post, you also get those instances and, and, and this will show once again, Chris and mine geeked them. (laughs) <laughs> where the creator themselves changes the piece, the movie, mm-hmm. the music mm-hmm. a- afterwards, because now they have the ability to. It happens mm-hmm. in music all the time, because you can you can go in and make mess up mess with tracks and either make them into something totally different, have fun with them, or take the original and boost uh, one instrument over another. 
it's kind of what they call remastering, remixing. Mm-hmm. Um, and making in sometimes it does make the sound quality better, sometimes not. It's arguable, but there is the famous case of George Lucas going back. I was just gonna say, and effing with Star Wars, which was to <laughs> all of us pretty much sacrilege. <laughs> and how many times did he do it? He did it like four or five times. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I don't know what the original movies are. If they're what Chris and I are talking about. Basically, I think it was – he may have messed with three of the beginning ones, but I know he messed with the first Star Wars movie that came out. Yep, yep. That's, now, that's not the first Star Wars movie in the in the, in the chronological order, but mm-hmm. it is the first one that came out. Mm-hmm. And he went in, and he made some egregious changes. <laughs> I mean, and it – because he could. He has the – first mm-hmm. of all, there is – he owns the rights, although he doesn't owe them anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, Disney does. Speaking of Disney, but he went in and she made some changes. Mm-hmm. And I, I got it. I saw the changes. Did you see it? Did you see the changes? I think I did. I mean, I know there's a couple that were really spectacular, bad. Um, yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Uh, there was like the Death Star blew up. They added some CGI to it. There was like right. you know. Um, there's a whole bunch of other ones. The famous one, of course, is Greedo shooting, you know, um, shooting first, which I was just like, I mean, it's like, seriously, I mean, it's like, it's just, it was just ridiculous because, you know, I saw the, I'm, I'm, we talked before in one of our other shows. It's like, I saw Star Wars when it first came out and I love that scene because it shows like, you know, Han's a badass. And it's also like removes that classic trope of the, like the hero having to be perfectly hero inside, you know, Han just shoots him. And and it's like, describe what you're talking about. Cause people, I mean, people know Star Wars, but describe that scene. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, it's early in the film and, you know, got Han Solo, who's the badass played by Harrison Ford. And, you know, our heroes have come into the bar and they're looking for a, a starship pilot. And here's Han. And this character starts accosting him and threatens him. And Han has his, has his gun under the table and shoots this guy named Greedo. Right. And, and, and I don't think it caused any kind of fuss because it was just, you know, a scene in a movie. Yeah. But for some weird reason, Lucas went back in and edited, digitally edited the original film. So it looks like Greedo shot. And then Han was defending himself, right, right, which is just like seriously. Why would you change something like this? It's just it, like I mean, why would you change it anyway? I mean, why would you yeah. change the film to begin with? <laughs> it undercuts the badassness of Han, Han too, like you said. Exactly. Yeah. yeah this and it just this bad things uh, in that. Yeah, he did some really bad things in that. <laughs> Oh, and, and you know, so he, he keeps doing that too. I mean, he's, oh, I he's changed a whole bunch of things, and um, I mean, even the whole idea now that Star Wars is no longer called Star Wars; it's called the uh, Star Wars: A New Hope, yeah. and it's not considered the first movie, but like the fourth or something like right. that. I can't keep it straight. Um, right. So it's just like, oh, come on, give me a break, guys. Yeah, I, I just because for me, I mean, I, I I do this all the time for vintage rock. I'm getting remastered classic albums to listen to and review mm-hmm. and they're i mean in the remaster versions what usually happens is they just make everything that much more defined and clearer you know mm-hmm. maybe there's a keyboard part that was way down in the mix it comes forward in the mix well that's remixing but anyway generally it just makes it more of a pristine recording and clearer generally mm-hmm. speaking but there are there are remixing that goes there is remixing that goes on when either the producer or some fan 
who happens to be a producer and engineer, or the guys themselves in the band go in and they remix the album. So mm -hmm. you're getting it totally different than when you first heard it. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and a mix of an album is, 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 a, is an art form all its own. It's like mm -hmm. taking scenes in a movie and moving them around. And so it's a different, different beast altogether. And mm -hmm. I know you can do it. And we say this all the time, you and I, just because you can do something doesn't mean you necessarily should. <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess, like we said, if the creator wants to change it, he certainly can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I like I like the thing to stand alone what it was, good or bad. Mm -hmm. you know, I always really respect what uh, Warner Brothers did. I think it was Warner Brothers. Please, and if someone please, you know, write us and tell me if yeah. I got this wrong. Um, I think it was Warner Brothers because you mentioned that Disney has now like released a lot of their films that were questionable, yeah. Um, you know, because of when they were produced. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, Warner Brothers actually did the same thing, but they actually had a really very, I think, really well done statement at the start of them saying this is inappropriate then, it's inappropriate now, but changing, you know, or editing, you know, what was done basically whitewashes, you know, the issue. But yeah, you words, can't change I, history. You know, exactly. And I like that, the fact that they're not celebrating, but they're saying it's like, we're not going to remove this because it would be like pretending this didn't exist. And I thought that was very responsible. I thought it was very, very, very well done because, you know, and, and Disney, unfortunately, you know, it's like, I mean, the Hannah, the, the Hannah's butt thing, I mean, it's kind of weird because, I mean, it is I'm like more of an adult content. So I'm really wondering if they've done the same thing for a lot of the older films. I know certain films like Song of the South will never be seen again. They put that in the archive yeah. forever. Um, but other ones still have problems. And Which, I'm surprised what they still allow out, frankly. Yeah, it's weird, too, because I think I think all that stuff should be seen and heard within mm -hmm. the context of what it is. And that's mm -hmm. how we learn, of you know, the good and bad of history, of course. Right. Mm -hmm. we, we understand that. When you see Song of the South, some of those things in that movie seem offensive in, mm -hmm. in, the, in our eyes. Mm -hmm. They weren't offensive then in some ways, in some ways they were. But you don't learn unless you see, unless you read Huckleberry Finn, mm -hmm. which has famously has words in it that get it banned all the time. But mm -hmm. you're not going to go in and change Huckleberry Finn or Tom mm -hmm. Sawyer. I mean, these are, these are masterpieces. People try. Oh, I don't exactly. know. These, but these are masterpieces. Just because, mm -hmm. and and Twain uh, is relating the language of the time. Mm -hmm. You can't say it was wrong because it was is the language of the time. And mm -hmm. like you said, to go in and 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 to change that to alter history because it doesn't it doesn't fit our modern day sensibilities. And mm -hmm. and there's you, a whole host of. Things could be written about whether our modern day sensibilities are good or not anyway. But mm -hmm. to judge that stuff by the color of of our prism seems you could judge it fine, but don't change it because mm -hmm. where we are now. I think it's it's powerful that to see what the mm -hmm. stuff was. You know? Exactly. And understand why it was wrong. And it's like and right. by, like like I mentioned before, it's like they're just kind of whitewashing over the fact this existed. It's better yeah. to face it and realize it was bad then, it's bad now. I did. I do. I have to say though, it's like every once in a while I come across something that's kind of interesting, where you know an author or a work will basically kind of like update the language, mm. um, you know. And this is this might be apocryphal, and I really apologize if it is because I just think it's a great example of this. Um, and if someone's listening and knows more about this, please let me know. I did some research, but I never could get a, an answer. But 
I remember listening to a radio show, and these, this is a group that does like performances of famous books, mm-hmm. including science fiction, and they did an adaptation of Hey All You Zombies by Robert Heinlein. And if you've never read the story, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it does deal with sex reassignment. Mm-hmm. And what I heard was they reached out to the Heinlein estate and actually got permission to alter the language in the story to make it more modern. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the terminology he was using was in the 1950s. Yeah. And I thought that was really wonderful because the story didn't change. You know, they didn't edit the story. They just changed the language. And I thought that was really kind of cool. And I love the fact they asked permission, you know, well, and got yeah, it. Yeah, you, so, be, you better goddamn you know, ask permission. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I hope this is a true story because I really like the fact that, you know, again, they just simply updated the language. Yeah. Um, so they didn't use, you know, clumsy or outdated or insulting language for, you know, re- referring to like characters who are transgendered. Yeah. And I always really liked that. So I think that's okay when you like update certain things. Um at the same time, it's like if you're trying to change the book itself, that's different, or the work itself. But yeah, it's always very weird and very slippery, and it's getting even more complicated now because we have deep fake technology where we can basically make anybody into anything, and we could insert Dustin Hoffman into like you know you know Triumph of the Will if we wanted to. Right. I mean, you know, it's it's it's. I mean, I'm usually pretty optimistic around technology, and I do kind of like you know I have to say that I'm kind of a technophile, and I love playing with all this kind of cool stuff. But that is something that actually kind of scares me is the fact that it's getting easier and easier to sort of like digitally manipulate, you know, what is reality or what happened in the past. And, oh, yeah. And having very hard way to tell, and very difficult to, you know, figure out what's true and what isn't. Yeah. And, and, and that's and, pretty yeah. creepy. And, and, and who's on the button? You know, if there's mm-hmm. somebody on the button and they have a mm-hmm. certain prejudice either way or a certain mm-hmm. worldview, it can be altered to that. As be- mm-hmm. beyond what the creator, because with the person who creates the piece, they had a certain world. Let's keep to their worldview. That's fine. But, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want somebody else coming in and changing my view, what I, mm-hmm. how I want to do something, you know? And, you know at the uh, same time, it's also, it has the potential of being kind of cool. Um, I really like the idea of creating like fake realities, you know? So because we now have all this cool technology between, you know, mani- image manipulation and like 3D printing, yeah. we can create you know, artifacts, you know, and media from a world that never existed. And I think that's really kind of cool. It's like how you see, like, you know, you look up like steampunk, which is the Mm -hmm. Victorian era kind of science fiction stuff and how people are creating entire steampunk works and environments and devices, you know, that once again, never existed, but they, you know, they can do that now. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, and, and, uh, the, the whole world of, you know, virtual reality and mm-hmm. how that dovetails uh, into, into you know, our interactions with each other and, of course, our sexual interactions with each other, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, absolutely. Where, where we don't particularly have to go anywhere to, to have a good time mm-hmm. um, and, or go anywhere to lick non-vanilla, basically, and which is the <laughs> name of the show, Licking Non-Vanilla, with Ralph Greco Jr. and M. Christian, uh, the Red Circle Network. Anyway, um, yeah, so we, we see this all the time, but we write about this all the time. You you more than mm-hmm. I, um, at Future of Sex, about about the technolo- how technology is taking over. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, good and bad. Oh, it's very cool. It's very, very cool. I have to say yeah. it's really very cool. I mean, you know, by and large, it's like there's a couple of things that pop up every blue moon that makes me kind of go, ew, dystopia. But yeah. for the most part, it's actually pretty positive. Like virtual reality is really exciting. I mean, it's, the problem is it's expensive. I mean, you know, you can either 
if you if you pay for like a, a high end, you know, virtual re- reality rig, it'll cost you a couple of grand. Uh, mm-hmm. Mainly because it's not just the rig; it's the computer that has to run it. But now, like you know, there's the Oculus Quest, which is only like three hundred, four hundred dollars, which is mm-hmm. ridiculously cheap, and it's actually being pr- helped produced by Facebook of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have also PlayStation Network has their own version, which is like four hundred bucks. And if you want to go ultra cheap, but it's really not all that effective, is you can use your smartphone with like okay. a you know a plastic clamshell you strap to your face. But, you know, I mean, my dabbling with it hasn't been all that much because I can't afford it. But I'm actually quite excited the fact that, you know, for 400 bucks, you can get a pretty, pretty immersive experience. But, yeah, there's like all kinds of um, adult sites now that are, you know, doing virtual reality. And there's tons of them. If you type in virtual reality porn, you're going to get buried in it. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you got the sex toys, you know, that some of which we've reviewed um, that are often like intelligent. In other words, they're designed to work with like bluetooth and proprietary apps mm-hmm. yeah and then over the over the internet so you can actually feel what's going on on the screen or in your virtual reality rig it's really quite cool yeah they, they sometimes those toys are more intelligent than the people using them um that's true <laughs> but yeah i mean I, and you know it's funny too i don't know if we talked about it on here but i've t- certainly talked about it plenty of times because i was i got connected with a company called real touch the first people to make this kind of like apparatus that that you had that you could wear in certain mm-hmm. parts of your body and then watch it watch it uh video a movie online and then there was prompts cool. there was prompts in the, vi- in the in the movie that would mm-hmm. activate the the thing you were wearing and cool. That's great. They, they developed that technology from nasa because it was called haptic haptic technology Mm-hmm. H-A-P-T-I-C mm-hmm. and uh, actually NASA came up with it because it was how they could steer s- spaceships through telemetry mm-hmm. you know with, a, with somebody sitting on a, 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 a back in, back in Florida with a control nozzle moving the spaceship you know and mm-hmm. uh, then they just took that this company Real Touch I don't think, even think they're in existence anymore and they took that and just kind of expanded it and used it to their nefarious ends. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah, that's exciting. That's really cool. I mean, and that's that's the thing you're reading more and more. In fact, I just saw something in my news feed just today about a company that's working on like haptic technology for like like uh, virtual reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, for like you know that kind of stuff. So it's like it's going, it's getting more and more prevalent. I mean, you know, before you know, it, we're going to have things that we can actually feel in you know all kinds of different ways as well as see them. So it's it's really very exciting, and of course, if you have a disability, it makes you know tremendous sense because you know it's like you can you know you can work around that or you know find ways of like enjoying yourself and in other ways you never could think possible. So it's really very exciting. I mean, it's very yeah. cool. Yeah, and like anything else, you know, you got to cheat back in certain areas. It gets too mm-hmm. much. It gets not enough. I mean, it's like anything else, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and people find their way, or or sometimes this pendulum swings well on the mm-hmm. other side. You know, mm-hmm. and causes some problems, but you know, we we tend to find our way through, or somebody builds a better mousetrap, mm-hmm. and then we go to that. And mouse I love trap. the fact the stuff. I love the fact also. I mean, when these first when this technology first comes out, it's usually ridiculously expensive. I right. mean, you yeah, know, you really know how that goes with anything. I mean, the first computers. I mean, you don't want to think about how expensive they were. Now it's like you can, you know, basically you know, plop down like a couple hundred bucks and have a nice little laptop. So the yeah. same thing with virtual reality and all this technology. I mean. I reviewed a couple of um of internet of you know internet of things uh sex toys and they're mm-hmm. they run everything from like 100 to 200 dollars which you know it's pricey but not that bad i mean right, when you think right. about it 
Um, so, you know, and, and the quality is ridiculous. Oh, quality is unbelievable. Good. I mean, we, we've, we've seen some stuff come across our desks that we had a review, like you were saying. The quality mm -hmm. of the stuff is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, t talk about back in the day as opposed to now. It's, 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 it's like you were playing with like, um, it's just tinker toys back in the day. Mm -hmm. and oh, they're awful stuff. Yes, it's stuff that. Oh, it was awful. And those those old sex toys were awful. I mean, yeah. they were disgusting. They broke. They were badly designed. Um, they were just like jokes. They're like novelties. And yeah. now it's like you have like you know you know well established sexologists and researchers who are mm -hmm. designing them, and you know engineers that might as well be working for NASA. Right. You know, putting the guts in there. It's really quite amazing. I mean, and again, it's like there's. So many of them. I mean, there used to be only be a few companies. Now there's like dozens, if not hundreds. Yeah. So it's like you know, you take your pick, and that's like you know, you can have anything you ever wanted. And they and all those companies are feel free to contact advertise yes. with Licking Non Vanilla. Um, we'll take you advertise. Yes, advertise, please. And we'll you know we'll, we'll mention you on on don't make on the us show. beg. Absolutely, if we, we can be bought. We could easily be bought. Uh, yes, we definitely can be bought. Uh, yes, we we're both actually both. quite affordable. Yes, yeah, that's the thing about Chris and I. When when we when we whore ourselves out, we we're pretty pretty quite a, we're we're very affordable. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We have installment plans available. We take credit. Trade. You know, food stamps. You know, it's like we, you name it. We can be had for for ridiculous, <laughs> small amount of money, or or anything else you want to pay us in. We're we're, we're good for whatever you want to pay us in. You know. Uh, but as always, Chris, it's been a it's been a great almost hour with you. Um, you know, we have we always have a good time just jawing. Whether whether we're sitting, we're sitting in a diner somewhere or we're 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 on here, we we just Chris and I can really talk a blue streak, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And it's funny because we talk a lot. I was thinking about this. We talk a lot. We don't see each other so often, but we talk we talk a lot. So then when we see each other, you would think, well, you guys you guys talk all the time. What are you going to talk about when you see each other? But like, there's there's a whole new level of of stuff to get out. Mm -hmm. For some reason, when we see each other, it prompts it uh, prompts us in a different way, in a different direction, you know. So absolutely, uh, yeah, it's interesting how that works, you know. <laughs> um, so well, this has been always delightful, Rafi. I'm really fun, looking right? forward to it. I hope I hope everyone is enjoying this much because we're having an absolute kick. Yeah, it's so, a lot of fun. You know, absolutely tune in next time and send us questions because you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and hopefully on Instagram if I get the damn thing to work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm leaving with a quote before we were talking about before about censorship and words and stuff I, I i got this quote from lenny bruce who happens to be one of my 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 personal favorites and lenny bruce said it's the suppression of the word that gives it the power mm -hmm. so think about that a lot there's a lot to be thought thought of in that that little statement um chris i what, what can i say we're we're gods among men <laughs> yeah. um, but it's been fun as always Chris thanks so much and uh, thank you all for listening this has been uh, Licking Non Vanilla with Ralph Recco Jr. and I'm Christian and we'll see you next time bye bye and visit us on the web at www.lickingnonvanilla.com <laughs>